The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Book of Genesis, 18th chapter. Now where we're going to start reading today is in verse number 16 of Genesis chapter 18, and we're going to be um, skipping a few verses here and there to get to the end of chapter 19. Um, but up until this point, up until ch- verse 16, God and two angels have just met with Abraham. Abraham saw God coming down um, <clears throat> the plane with these two angels. I don't know what it looked like, but he saw him coming down. He recognized him right away, and he ran to him and fixed them a big meal. And that's when God told Abraham, get ready. You're about to have a child. This was a 25-year promise. God promised Abraham that he's going to have a child with Sarah, his wife. And God delivered on that promise, though it took 25 years. And it really was a real test of faith on Abraham's part. And God was just met with Abraham telling him this was going to happen. And now we move on to Lot and what goes on in Lot's life in the city of Sodom. So read with me if we all would stand together at this time. Stand in honor of God's word as we look to Genesis chapter 18. And there's a little bit of a lengthy read tonight. But if you're able to stand, please do. If not, then don't feel bad for sitting. But Genesis chapter 18 and verse number 16, the Bible says, And the men rose up from thence, which is God and the two angels that visited with Abraham. The men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Let's get down to verse number 20. It says, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is very grievous, I will go down, uh, go, go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which is come unto me. If not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went, forward, uh, went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked. Now, from this point on until the end of chapter 18, God and Abraham are having a conversation. I'm not going to read it because it's a little lengthy for tonight. But basically, this is the familiar passage where God looks to Abraham, and Abraham says, God, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? What if I can find 50? What if there's 50 righteous men? God said, I'll spare the city for 50. What if there's 45? I'll save it for 45. What if there's 30? God said, I'll spare the whole city if there's 30 righteous. If there's 20, God said, I'll spare those 20. I'll spare the, the whole city of Sodom for those 20. He said, God, don't be angry, but one more time. What if there's 10? God said, if there's 10 righteous, I will not destroy the city. Which brings us to chapter 19, and verse number 1. It says, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. This is the two men, the two angels that just left Abraham. Verse number two, and he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the streets all, in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Before they laid down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot, and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring, thou, bring them out unto us, that we may know them. 
And Lot went out the door unto, unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters, which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore uh, came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And now this, uh, and they said again, this, is one, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs to be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand, and pulled Lot into the house to them, and shut, uh, shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so they that wearied themselves to find the door. Verse number 15 says, And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy, do- uh, thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed of the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid a hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. O, let me escape thither. It is, not a, it is not a little one, and my soul shall live. Go ahead and skip to verse number 24 through 26. It says, Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from, from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him. She became a pillar of salt. Verse number 30. We'll read through the end of, the, of chapter 19. And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountains and his two daughters with him for he feared to dwell in Zoar and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two, uh, his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come, unto in, uh, to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Came to pass on the, mount, on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in and lie with him that he may, uh, we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him. He perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both daughters of Lot with child by their father. The firstborn bare a son and called his name Moab. The same is the father of the Moabites unto this day. 
And the younger, she also bare a son and called his name Benami, the same as the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. We ask that you help us today as we look to your word. That we take from it the truths that you would want us to have. Help me to speak clear in my thought, my speech. Help me to say exactly what you once said. Hold back that which you do not once said. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. John Getty went to an island off of the east coast of Australia as a missionary in 1848. He worked there as a missionary for 24 years. After he died, they put a plaque there at one of the churches that he started, and it said this. When he landed in 1848, there were no Christians. But when he left in 1872, there were no heathen. When he came in 1848, there were no Christians, but when he left in 1872, there were no heathen. This was a man that had great influence, and we could talk about many other people, many other uh, Christians of the faith, servants of Christ that made a huge impact and a huge influence where they were in their society, in their church, in their community, in their family. We're called to influence our society. We're called to influence people for Christ. We're called to change their mind, change their opinion, to get them to repent. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that we're to persuade men. That's the job of the believer, is to persuade people to Christ. As John Getty preached Christ, people were persuaded to become Believers, they became converts. When Lot came to Sodom, there were no believers. And when Lot left Sodom, there were still no believers. Now, Lot was in a place of influence. He was, keep, he was at the gate. He was on the city council. He was on a board, if you will. Just a few chapters back, Lot pitched his tent, as we talked about two weeks ago, pitched his tent just outside of Sodom. He then became captive and was rescued by Uncle Abraham, and now he's back living in Sodom among these city leaders, among this influence. He's not just someone passing through anymore, though that's how it started. He wasn't just a traveler or a visitor anymore. He is a citizen of this city. He's staked his claim, built or bought his house, and he had the opportunity to reflect righteousness and to show God's goodness. The New Testament in three different times mentions, mentions Lot. Two of those times it says that he was just, that he was righteous, that he was a believer in Jehovah God, which he no doubt picked up from his uncle Abraham during their time together. But Lot's vision was clouded by the lifestyle that he enjoyed in Sodom and the comforts that it offered. As we saw last time, God was merciful and he delivers Lot from bondage as he is being hauled away by the army of Keterlaomor as they invaded Sodom and Gomorrah and as they took the women and the children and they took this offering, they took all of the, the goods there, the produce, the money, anything they could find of value, they took these people and Lot was included. And then Abraham and his manservants, they go and they flank them in the night 
They overthrow the army and they rescue Lot and all the people that were taken by King Keterlaomor. In chapter 18, we have two angels that ate with Abraham and they left to go towards Sodom. And Lot approaches them and he treats them in a very hospitable way. He invites them in and at first they refuse. They say, we're going to abide on the street all night. But Lot said, I insist basically insisting that they would come and stay at his place because he knew the culture of his city. Just before nightfall, nightfall, all of these different men approach Lot's house, and God describes these men of Sodom as old and young from all quarters of the city. Now, why does God point this out? Why does God give this piece of information? Well, in chapter 18, God is having this conversation with Abraham after these two angels leave to go destroy Sodom. And God is having this conversation with Abraham, and Abraham says, If there's 50, will you destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? I'll not destroy it for 50. What about, what about 45? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10 people? If there's 10 righteous, will you destroy the city? I'll spare the city for 10 righteous people. Look at chapter 19 and verse number, uh, verse number 4. It says, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round both old and young. All the people from every quarter. There were not ten righteous people in this city. All the people from all quarters of this city were approaching Lot's house, trying to get into this house to take these men and have their way with them, committing such wicked and vile, perverse acts. And God was showing us here that there were not ten righteous in the city. Even with Lot and his family there. By giving us this information, God is assuring the reader, that's us, of his initial intentions to destroy the wicked. Not even ten righteous people in the city of Sodom. Here they are beating at the door, trying to get in, trying to bust through and uh, take these two men. And in verse number 9, and they say, who are you to judge us? Verse number 9, it says, and they said, they said, stand back, talking to Lot, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came to sojourn, or he's just a pastor passing through. He's not from around here, but he's decided to buy a house here. He's a sojourner, a traveler, and he will needs to be a judge. He says, you're going to be our judge? after you've enjoyed all of the amenities of Sodom, after you've benefited from all the economy of Sodom, after you've enjoyed the pleasures and the comforts of Sodom, you're going to judge us. Well, Lot, you haven't, you haven't said anything before. You haven't cared before. Why do you care now? You're just a traveler. You're a passerby. He saw the potential of living a comfortable light. Life. He built a house there. And now you're trying to be our judge. He had no influence. Because when you forfeit righteous living, you forfeit a righteous influence. When you forfeit righteous living, you forfeit righteous influence. Lot became complacent. He was compliant with society. He was went with the culture. He forsook every, he, everything he learned from Uncle Abraham. 
And we know that Lot was just because the New Testament tells us that he was a believer in Jehovah God, that he was righteous, that he was just, but he was not living like it. Therefore, he had no godly influence. None. And as the Bible uses the term many times throughout the Bible, his wrath, his cup of wrath was full against Sodom and Gomorrah. At this point, as these, this wicked act was being done that night, and these men were trying to get into this house and take these two men, and Lot was trying to persuade them otherwise, he actually says, Brethren, brethren, don't do this wickedness. Identifying himself with these citizens of Sodom. Lot is trying here, but it is a little too Late. And he gets the Father of the Year award because he's offering his two daughters to take the place of these two men. Because in their culture, if you, if you were, had a guest in your home and something happened to them, that was worse than something happening to your own family. But he's trying to turn these men from their wickedness, and they're laughing in his face. And now Lot is faced with this violent mob as the angels have blinded these men, this mob that approaches Lot's house, and they blind them. And they tell Lot to get your family, get your, get your sons-in-laws, get your daughter, get your wife, and get out. So he goes to his sons-in-laws, and the Bible says that they, they mocked him. It's, the word there means that they, were, they thought he was jesting. They thought they was, it was just all a big joke. So they ignore him, but he grabs his two daughters and his wife to leave the city. And God tells them to go head toward the mountain. And all that's going on, the chaos, and it's almost as if when I read this, I just pictured these angels grabbing Lot by the shoulder, saying, Lot, you need to get out of here. Lot, we're about to, to us to, we're about to destroy this city. Get your family and go. Go to the mountains. And Lot says, I appreciate you helping us and saving our lives and showing mercy, but I don't think we're going to make it to the mountains. But there's a small city just a little ways off called Zoar. Zoar means small city or small place. What if we went to Zoar instead? So instead of going to the mountains, they are granted to go to Zoar. Maybe, thought, maybe Lot thought the mountains would be too much of a climb. Maybe he thought it would be too rugged. Maybe he was afraid of wild animals. Maybe he was worried about the lack of resources. He didn't have enough food or water to make it to the mountains. Or maybe he loved Sodom so much, he was willing to go to the next closest thing, one city over called Zoar. But when you forfeit righteous living, you also forfeit God's will. How many times has God called you to the mountain? You say, what about Zoar? God calls you to do something and you introduce an alternative instead of God's initial will for your life or a plan for your life. Could be something big, could be something small. Well, what if it's just too difficult? I don't know about that. What about all the, the obstacles I'm going to face? I know what comes with that. What about all the hardships? And God's calling us to do things. And we say, God, what about Zoar? I know adults who, as young people, their parents discouraged them from going into the ministry because they wanted to get them to get a real job. I've known others that stepped out on faith and pursued it anyways and are in the center of God's will. 
What better thing for this generation to do than to serve God? Could be somebody in here that's called to go to the mountain. You're called to do more than what you're doing now. And you're saying, God, what about this? And in comparison to the mountain, to what God wants you to do, it's just a small city. The mountain's difficult, it's hard, it's high, it's difficult. There's obstacles. But in comparison, it's just a small city to the way that God wants to use you. Could be calling you to the ministry. Could be calling you to fully commit to him. Could be salvation. Could be baptism. It could be laying unrighteous living on the altar and being completely sold out for God. Maybe God wants you to step out in faith, but you're reacting in fear. God knew what was best for Lot. If God called Lot to go to the mountain, he knew that Lot would be able to make it to the mountain. God knew what was best for Lot, and God knows what's best for you. William Carey once said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Well, we want to see God do some amazing things this year in 2021. What are you willing to do? We're, we're expecting God to do great things in our church this year. What are you willing to do? We're expecting God to do great things in our lives this year. What are you willing to attempt for God? If you're expecting something from God, you should be willing to attempt something for God. There's enough Christians in our society that are complacent, just like Lot, that are just compliant with the society around them. And they change with it wherever it may go. Churches that change wherever society leads them. May I remind you that Jesus was considered extreme. He was what you might call a little radical. He went against the culture, not with it. He even opposed the religious leaders of their day who expected people to follow the traditions, but he defied tradition. He defied culture. He defied the society. And that's what a part of the problem today is we have too many Christians that are going with society rather than standing against it. And not in an aggressive way, but in a biblical, a biblical way. God calls us to do things, and he calls us to do them according to his word. He expects it from us. If those ways are contrary than the culture, then so be it. If those ways are contrary to what's common in our society, then so be it. If it's contrary to the government, then so be it. If it's contrary to the school system, then so be it. If it's contrary to what your friends think, then so be it. God is not calling us to be one with the culture. He's calling us to be one with his son, Jesus Christ. In our nation, we need, we need believers that are willing to follow God to the mountain. So God, after Lot and his two daughters and his wife leave. His wife turns back and she looks at 
the city, and she doesn't just have a glance, she actually, it means that she gazed upon it, and she thought about it. She stopped, she looked back, and she gazed on it, and turned it to a pillar of salt. So Lot and his two daughters make it out of Sodom, and God destroys it in verse 28. It says, the smoke went up as the smoke of a furnace. God's judgment being expressed on the wicked cities. Now, God did a lot to get Lot out of the city. But why? Why would God go so far to get Lot out of Sodom? Well, in chapter 19, read, number, uh, read verse number 29 with me. It says, And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. God remembered the cries of Abraham. He sent these messengers to spare Lot's life and his family. Next time you think that your prayers for someone else aren't good enough, remember Abraham. When someone tells you that your prayers aren't good enough, when your prayers aren't doing anything, next time you feel alone and that the prayers for your loved ones are in vain, they're not. Because as God heard Abraham, God will hear you. Now, I don't know how long after this takes place that Lot ends up leaving Zoar, but he does end up leaving Zoar. <clears throat> and he goes to the mountains and he dwells in a cave with his two daughters. Lot's oldest daughter took the younger and said, All the men are dead. There's nobody on earth left. So let's get our father drunk and have children by him. I don't know if she actually believed this or not. I, it could have been that she was trying to get her younger sister to go along with it. Could be many different reasons. Either way, they made their choice and they did it. So on the first night, the oldest daughter, as it says in our text, they get them drunk and they, she lies with him. On night two, the sister does the same thing. Both times, it says that he had no recollection of the act that had just happened. He didn't know that they were there. He didn't know that they left. But what would have caused Lot's daughters to commit such a violent, vulgar act? What would cause these two to go as far as have relations with their father? They had no spiritual influence. None. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 6, it says, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man, still talking about Lot, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with her unlawful deeds. <clears throat> that word vexed there means to be tortured. 
Do you know what we call that? Conviction. Lot saw their evil deeds, and he said and did nothing about it. So we have this believer in Jehovah God who saw wickedness and said nothing. He was a righteous man living in unrighteous times, doing, uh, saying nothing about the unrighteousness that was around him. Now, he wasn't willing to act on it. We don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says that Lot did these specific sins, <clears throat> that Lot was a part of the fornication or the homosexuality that went on in Sodom. We don't see any part in Scripture where it says that Lot did those things. He may not have committed them, but when they were present, he said and did nothing about them. And because one generation was silent, the other was willing to act on these wicked deeds that they saw. <clears throat> and when you forfeit righteous living, you forfeit a generation. When you forfeit righteous living, you forfeit a generation. There was a time in this country where the Bible was allowed in schools, where people actually prayed in schools. There was a time where people actually had the Bible and prayer in public squares, and they didn't end the prayer with a woman. There was a time in this country where we were actually known as the Christian nation of the world. And people today don't want the Bible. They don't want any mention of God in the public squares. Why? Because the generation was silent. When the homosexual crowd spoke up, Christians were silent. Not all, but too many. When abortion was legalized, Christians were silent. Not all, but too many. Now today we have a generation that is doing unlawful deeds because of silence. I'm here to tell you, dads, you not only have the right, but you have the obligation to be an influence in your child's life. It is your obligation to influence your child for Christ. Mothers, you can be an influence to your children. I don't know what I would be if it wasn't for the godly influence of my mother. You have the right to say, children, guys, guys we're, not, we're not watching this. We're not dressing this way. We're not listening to this kind of music. We're not letting this entertainment into our house. We're not doing those things. But speaking against wickedness isn't enough. Lot was so focused on keeping his status, his position, his money, his business, he lost sight of righteousness. And the generation that followed him acted on every sin that Lot had to put up with, but said nothing about. It's not just enough to talk against wickedness. We need to teach truth. It's not just enough to talk against home, different sexual sins, different entertainment groups. It's not enough to talk about against these things. We have to introduce truth and teach truth. We had our teen parent meeting a few weeks ago. And I basically said, what we do here at church is to reinforce and to support what goes on in the Christian home. It's okay for parents to be a part of their child's life. I know that's kind of a foreign concept today in our society. 
but you need to be involved in your child's life. Well, they're 18, they're grown, well, they still need your influence. I don't know how old Lot's daughters were, but they were not too old to have a godly influence in their life. They should have had one. Where did this start? How did this happen? Now, Lot's daughters, they made their choice. They performed wickedness, and they have to answer to God for that. But where did this start? What if Lot hadn't pitched his tent towards Sodom in chapter 14? What if Lot had have pitched his tent where Abraham did at the altar? I've heard this said before, but I'll go ahead and say it because it came to mind. I had a drug problem growing up. I was drugged to church. I was drugged to youth activities. I was drugged to this. I was drugged to that. My parents took me to every church event. When the doors were open, we were there. And I didn't like it. My dad was a Marine. And we went from the Christian church to the Baptist church when I was about second grade. And I had to, we had to totally change our lifestyle. And I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. When I asked Dad, why are we doing this? He said, because I'm the dad and I said so. And I'm like, Dad, why do I have to wear a suit to church now? Because I'm the dad and I said so. There were a lot of times like that, but I remember one time where I asked Dad, and I knew what the answer was going to be, but I asked it anyways, because whenever he said, don't do that, I did it, because that's how, when you're a kid, you have to do that. <clears throat> Apparently, it's in your sin nature. But I asked him, why are we doing that? And he told me, because I was reading my Bible, and it talked to me in this way, and that's why we're not doing that. It's okay to sit down with your children, with your teenagers, and tell them, we're going to do this because it pleases God. And we're not going to do this because it displeases God. And let me show you how I found that out. Maybe there's people even here, maybe watching by live stream, that need to move out of Sodom and get back to the altar. Maybe there's some people in here that need to stop walking by sight and start walking by faith. Put some things back on the altar. When Abraham woke up, he was at the altar. When he fixed his dinner, there the altar was, outside the tent. Before he went to bed, there the altar was. It wasn't just a ritual. It, just, it wasn't just a Sunday morning, Sunday evening thing. It was a lifestyle. Abraham is known for being a man of faith that walked with God, being a friend of God. What would happen if someone was to write a story about our lives? What would they say? Would they spend their time in, in Sodom? Were they an influence to those around them, to their family, to their church? Or do they live for themselves, walking by sight rather than by faith? Could be you here today and it's something as simple as you need to take that first step of being saved. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you need saved. Maybe you need to take a step to baptism. Maybe you need to join this church. I don't know. Maybe God is calling you to do something, and you're not willing to do it because self-interest is in the way. And the business is too good. The money's too good. I like the entertainment too much. I can never go to the mountain. 
It'll be too difficult. I want to point one last thing out. When God informed Abraham through the messenger that Lot had been taken captive by King Ketelamor, it was through God that gave the deliverance. And God gave the deliverance of those people. Abraham took his manservants and went and flanked the, the army of Ketelamor and took back Lot and rescued all those people. It was through God that gave the deliverance. And Abraham was able to do that because he spent time at the altar. There are going to be battles in your life that we're going to face. There's going to be things that come into your life that aren't going to be scheduled. And how you respond will be based off of whether you're at the altar or whether you're in Sodom. Whether you get victory or not will be based off of whether you are at the altar or whether you're living for yourself, whether you're involved in the things of the world. If we want spiritual victory, if we want this generation that we're, I told the teenagers, be the generation that makes the change. Be the, be the part of your generation that makes the change. We talk about change all the time. If you want to see change, be that change. You want to see something happen in your family, be the change you want to see in your family. You want to see God do things in our church, be the change that you want to see in your church. I want to see God do something through my extended family. Be the change you want to see in your family. Be the change you want to see at work. Be the change you want to see in your society, in your community. But it all starts when we get at the altar. Don't get sidetracked by Sodom. Turn from Sodom and get to the altar. And spend your time there. Spend time with God. Form a relationship with him. Cultivate that relationship. Because it's through him and him alone we get victory over our battles, victory over sin. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today to preach your word. I ask that you would help and guide and work in our lives. Help us to change to be more like Christ. Don't let us be engulfed by the things of the world. Don't let us be distracted by the things of the world. We know that those things are not lasting. They're temporary. Those things that you set before us, those goals, those tasks, those plans that you set before us, those are eternal. Those will last forever. It could be somebody here that's struggling in sin, spending their time in Sodom and away from the altar. God, help us to get back to the altar. Help us to be more. Help us not to be complacent and just go with the flow and just go with society, but help us to be different. Help us to be like Jesus. Help us to change our culture and help us to do it in a biblical fashion. Father, help us to be better witnesses. Help us to be consistent in the faith and not be swayed by the culture. Help us to put you first. But it all starts with getting back to the altar. God, lead us there. Guide us there. Make our hearts tender that we would follow you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.